0: Hi everyone and uh, welcome back to the podcast again. Um, as we mentioned in our first episode, we're really excited to be back and doing this on a regular basis. Um, we're trying to create like a sense of community with everybody and we're just sort of taking everybody's questions at the minute. So if you do have some questions for us, it can be topics we've covered before, topics we might not have covered, um, anything sort of in the female athlete, female physiology, female health area, Please do send them in. You can do this uh, via our link tree on our Instagram page, and we'll keep posting um, as well to try and gather your questions. I'll roll on to question number one. So, do you think male coaches who coach younger age group, specifically female groups, should be more educated on female development, hormones, Red S to prevent younger female athletes from developing eating disorders and long-term illnesses, etc. Um, so yes, (laughs) in a short answer, um, from my perspective anyway, but I think it's, it's not just male coaches that need this education. It's it's all coaches. Um, I know from a running perspective, if you start in the sport, you're going to start, you know, perhaps when you're a bit younger at a club, um, that might be local to your area. And these coaches are often, you know, a lot of them are volunteers and it's just something they're quite passionate about, enjoy doing in their spare time. They will all have the coaching qualifications because uh, that's a, a legal requirement. But it's, I think it's more of a question of the coach education programs that we receive. Now, I've done the coach, um, the athlete's coach course um, for an endurance perspective. And it didn't really touch upon anything that this has raised here. Um, if it did, it touched upon sort of the physiological aspects very, very briefly and um, you know it was quite an intense course it took me a year to complete with all the extra additions but I think it is very m- much missing the, these aspects you know to how to what is a menstrual cycle what are the hormones what is this relative energy deficiency in sport how prevalent are eating disorders because particularly in endurance sports anyway obviously know that's quite high in terms of prevalence but I think we need to question what are the governing bodies who are rolling out these coach education programs. They're the ones ultimately that need to incorporate this in. And I don't I don't know how they go about that. I'm sure there's a number of loopholes to change a whole coach education, but I would like to see more availability um, and opportunities for these coaches to go and learn these extra things. And whether that's the co- the educators going to the coaches, because like I said, a lot of these are volunteers, because if you're reliant on the coaches sort of doing more volunteering programs, then it could be quite time consuming. Whereas if they went to the practice, then it's obviously going to be a lot easier for them. Um, so, yeah, Georgie, what is your experience on this when you've you know talked to coaches and everything like that um, from your
1: perspective? Yeah, and that's a great question, Jess. So I fundamentally agree with what you say about how males need this education, but females really do too, I think. It's challenging being a female coach in different ways as it is with being a male coach because you're almost expected to know and understand, but also we don't get taught these things as you've rightly highlighted. Um, From my side, I think we need, so coaches need education. Um, Totally agree, particularly in the UK and say in athletics where most coaches are volunteers, that is really challenging. But I think this needs to be a part of, Coaching qualifications. Um, but alongside that, I think there needs to be athlete education because coaches suddenly starting to talk about this area to athletes is gonna be a big thing for the athlete if they don't really understand it themselves. And actually, just obviously we've been involved in some research in schools and looking at education in schools. And I know we had um a podcast episode about this and without schools really ticking this area off properly. And I don't know whether you can ever tick it off properly, but really di- even discussing it and facilitating that education, it makes it very challenging for the sort of in the field discussions, Um, just like jumping over to other sports. Obviously, I guess I work quite a lot in um, football and I, I do to some extent in swimming as well. And I don't think either of them really address this well, if at all either. Um, I think has the popularity of people like at a higher level kind of talking about it, um, whether it's red ass, whether it's a historical eating disorder, whether it's menstruation, the symptoms associated with that. I think people are wanting to almost have that ability to talk about it and see that they ideally would have an ability to talk about it, but still don't really know how. Um, And I, I mean, I also feel like I need to caveat this with the fact that, I probably have a biased lens on this, and I was in the States a couple of weeks ago with a team out there, and I don't think one of the 30 players I spoke with had ever spoken about this to any of their practitioners before, and were almost so excited about the opportunity to be able to talk about it, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, I think it, it is really challenging. I know FIFA have a real mission to try and change the game in this space, but I think it has to start with, I mean, i it, i even find it brain boggling that so i did a degree in physiological science and the only time we spoke about males versus females was when we were talking about um anything to do with gyne or endocrinology like even when we we're talking about anatomy like i did units on anatomy it wasn't like this is the male body this is the female body it's, it was just this is the body and i don't i don't think that really helps but I'd say my my final point on this, and we could probably do a whole episode on this, but I think my my final point is that I really believe that practice um coaches almost need to also appreciate the point at which they have to signpost. And I think those signposting groups are important too. So, for example, if they think or if one of the athletes has said, You know, I'm really struggling with eating and you know, you, potentially there are' Um, concerns around a potential eating disorder or if their periods have stopped or if they have really bad symptoms like that's not on the practitioner to say okay do this 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 and this actually the practitioner needs to say this is who you should go and see or you should go and see a doctor or speak to your parents about it and I think that's often where people don't want to have the conversation because they feel like they're opening a can of worms and I, I totally understand that but I do think we're trying to do you know even our podcast like we're trying to do things to get education out there to at least help have that conversation and say okay maybe that's not normal but yeah you need to go and speak to someone
0: yeah definitely and I think another point I would say is um especially if you're taking your child or whoever down to running club football club swimming whatever it's sometimes the parents don't have the understanding and you know I remember someone saying to me you know, at that age they are the nutritionists, the psychologist, the support coach, um, massage therapist sometimes. And
2: yeah. um
0: I remember you know, my mom and dad had never done athletics before when I was younger and, and they didn't really have an understanding of all this kind of stuff. They just thought, Oh, it's great, she's doing a sport, which, you know, why why would they know? Um, so I think it's about providing those parents the opportunities about able to have those conversations as well I think they're super important at a young age
1: yeah and um I'm just looking at our other questions so the next one actually is really quite in line with this um like how do you think we can ensure that coaches and clubs are actually educated on this topic um should I jump in with my first Go for it. <laughs> um I think it, from my side, I guess creating those accessible resources is just fundamentally important and just I think your point about parents um is just so important i I say at the moment that I feel that it's almost a survival of the fittest or it's just potluck um as to which young athletes can make it, and I think that's a lot of that is based around like natural genetics natural knowing what to do and how to look after themselves because the the information just isn't out there and I think it's also just luck of the draw if your parents have gone away and tried to learn or just happened to give you the right types of things but I feel like there just isn't enough information out there so um the more we can make that information accessible the better um I I do also really believe that we need to have more um I don't think it's like man. I don't think we need to mandate it, but I do think governing bodies need to really drive on this too. Um, I know, for example, USA Swimming are really trying. Um, as I said before, FIFA as an international federation is trying, but um, I think it it kind of needs to be a a really um proactive like, uh, I, I guess like driven approach to really getting this. Um, awareness out there because I I do think it is easy as I was saying before to, um, almost think oh my god I don't want to open that can of worms I'm just not going to go there.
0: Yeah, agreed. I do think the governing bodies do have somewhat of a responsibility. You know, they're the ones that are educating these um coaches um you know assistant coaches etc. And I do think there has to be some kind of basics in there. Um and everything that you just said, I think is, is really important. Um, having the materials accessible, whether that's a link to a podcast or a number of a a clinician, et cetera. But one thing that is interesting and I've seen it more, I don't know, trying to encourage more is that perhaps we need more female coaches. Um, I know from my own perspective as an athlete, I've always been coached by male coaches, um, which, you know, I still have great relationships with them, but as a whole i think there is a lack of female coaches um across the board um so i think there needs to perhaps be more encouragement of female uh, coaches and therefore that might particularly in relation to menstrual cycle obviously they are females and have their own experiences and can hopefully mm-hmm. have those conversations a little bit more easily than perhaps you know the six-year-old male um volunteer down at a club night on a tuesday evening who might not uh have this kind of experience I don't think that should be a hindrance but it might just help be challenging more yeah yeah. De- yeah definitely um so I think that that would be really good I know uh Ailish McCorgan she's just put like a I don't know sort of a grant or a thing that she's doing with her giving back to track um to encourage more female coaches as well and we've got the likes of um Liz, Liz McColgan, Helen Clitheroe um particularly in the endurance sport I think there's a couple of female coaches um at the moment in america doing really good things um so there are there are out there but they're definitely less in comparison to
1: men but but Lucy actually like i guess part of your role at world rugby is really going to help um highlight some of these areas and make them more normalized um which is actually really exciting
2: well yeah interesting and topical at the moment with um england women's head coach he stepped down after 9 years in charge i mean i'm not sure anyone has he- ever heard of an international coach being in the role for nine years, which is crazy. Um, And he's said recently, obviously that a a female needs to come into the setup, but to your point, Georgie, not just a female coming in to be head coach necessarily, but like there wasn't even an assistant female coach at the world cup. So there needs to be a female in that coaching setup somewhere because women, I've spoken to so many female players who have said women just have a different perspective and they also do have a different emotional intelligence from men. And, you know, that can be really, really helpful in a, in a female environment. And it's, yeah, I think it's, it's fair enough to say that women, women and men are obviously are different, but from a, from a coaching perspective, I think that, you know, the um it's not just the knowledge, it's also to do with emotional intelligence. I was just going to mo- just ask a question off the back of our third question, which is whether the education side of this should be funded by clubs or the athletes themselves or by England athletics. And I mean, my my opinion is that the world governing bodies like FIFA and World Rugby they they do fund research into this type of thing and help to advance advance it. And I I don't think England England Athletics can shy away. I know they're a national governing body, but that's what, they also have a responsibility for the sport in England. But I don't think they should shy away from the fact that this is a huge area. Which is my question is. Is there has there been research done into the scale of this problem? Because if if we're saying oh it's only sort of a small percentage, it obviously will affect the amount of funding or kind of f- prominence given to the issue. It in your both in both your experience is sort of eating disorders, reds, just, the menstrual cycle problems, dropout rates. Is it a huge thing that England Athletics are sort of missing a trick by not addressing? I think I mean I would step back and say like all governing bodies need to consider
1: this. And obviously we've got quite a polarised view in the UK or in England, sorry. Um, But I think on a global level, we know so typically research suggests that um, somewhere between 65 and 70% of female athletes feel that their menstrual cycle affects them in some way. Um, So if I just focus on that angle for a minute, um, we know that around a third of female athletes are heavy bleeders, over 90% experience symptoms every cycle. um, I feel like there's really quite compelling evidence to suggest that this is an area I mean it's a normal natural process obviously to menstruate and as part of that a lot of physiological processes have to happen which can then result in psychological symptoms physical symptoms um, which can be proactively managed and supported if Um, I guess like if understood how Um, but obviously there are severe situations or more severe situations where there might be an underlying mental dysfunction but the problem is we're just fighting against this barrage of hormonal changes that we're not educated on so I think that given that there are you know there is a 50-50 split in males versus females this is something that needs to be discussed. But I think along with other aspects of female health, so whether it's like breast health, having the correct sports bra, whether it's thinking about flooding and leaking through to clothing, and importantly, whether it's red S or amenorrhea, um, eating disorders, et cetera, like all of these things are, as we've said, unfortunately, really quite common. Um, But I think a a big problem is the, the kind of inability to access information but also the inability um to appreciate that this is a thing that warrants consideration because I think without the governing bodies getting behind these areas you kind of think oh may, maybe it's not really that important or maybe I just don't need to worry about it and I really see particularly in the UK say so where there are lots of volunteer coaches like they're so busy already like they they don't have time and easily accessible resources to think okay I need to upskill myself on this so I I don't know what to do about it and I hate to say it but I do think that a lot of issues do arise from either training inappropriately which can manifest in either horrendous menstrual cycle symptoms if there's some kind of overload and or absent menstruation or irregular menstruation which can then uh, result in some kind of uh, like amenorrhea or oligomenore, depending on the situation, but also if the information is being delivered in a bad way, that of course can encourage eating disorders. And I think it's just is is really challenging, and it's a really sensitive subject. So I think being really careful with how education is given is also important. But I know from my experience, like I've. Definitely been around coaches who've spoken about the dead, deadly seas, chocolate, cheese, cream cakes, that kind of thing, um which again demonises food, which could then lead to certain concerns in the future. And I think the way these things are handled is is just yeah quite challenging. But keen to hear what you think, Jess.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Really, um I think I, I didn't really have that kind of experience myself. Um, even regards to my own coaches um they've always been quite good um and I know we had the same coach but I was never like in that kind of setup that you were but um I think what I feel is that um you like you said Lucy like I know World Rugby do provide like research opportunities and grants to apply for funding as well um I've been part of the grant as, as well that applied for that um I don't necessarily see that coming from an athletic standpoint i know there are with fifa they definitely do um and i think the the swimming one does Is it fina um so there are i think there's discrepancies within across the sports as well which i don't think should be a thing obviously some are more financially uh viable than others but i think we should have some kind of um we should definitely be a consistency across these sports and the governing bodies in terms of what they provide in terms in regards to like female physiology um education research but then also how these coaches can address perhaps sensitive topics and just make it a bit more consistent rather than you know football being superior compared to athletics i think you know men and women are um playing in these sports so right across the board and i think that there needs to be some kind of consistency so you know, whether it's talking across sports or if it comes from like an IOC consensus statement, um, I don't know. But I do feel as though uh, there needs to be some kind of consistency there. Um, and it definitely has to be driven by the governing bodies themselves. Um, and, you know, that doesn't have to be they're giving away millions of pounds. It can just be, OK, we're put, putting on this online education talk seminar series specifically around this topic that you know coaches can log into watch recordings anything we learned from the pandemic is that we can do these kinds of things remotely you don't have to go to a specific place um although that's obviously preferred but, we, but you don't have to you can still get that education and I think we need to provide those opportunities a little bit more uh, regardless of like the sport that it is um because men and women are still going to be competing And I think that probably leads us on to the next question that what you mentioned, sort of creating a kind of culture, Georgie. Um, this question was recently sort of in athletics in particular and in the Twitter Twittersphere. <laughs> um, so this is, um, in both amateur and professional athletics, the culture of running focuses very much on weight and the concept of a race weight. Do you think athletics is beginning to break away from the race weight culture and focus more on strength and health rather than being slim? Um, I would hope it is I have never actually I think I've probably thought about race weight in the past but I, this is nothing I would ever practice within my training Um I trust that you know the training is tailored right and I find it hard to eat enough so um, I'd never really think about my weight with regards to a race and I don't think many marathoners would Um I could be wrong um, and there was recently um, quite a, an article of in regards to the american collegiate system um who use sort of skin fold tests um where you sort of measure they take like pinches of your skin and it gives sort of a rough guide to your body fat percentage can be very subjective and some of these like quite well-known coaches in america were sort of um everyone was pointing at the finger at them a little bit and um, there was quite a few articles um flying around regards to how this should or shouldn't be a thing within American collegiate system. And I don't have experience of the American collegiate system. I don't know these coaches. Um, but I think it was sort of, it was labeling it as not a very good thing. And I would agree. Um, I do think some sports need it more than others. And some type of sports, you know, some events within the sport, should I say. So obviously within athletics, you've got such a broad spectrum. You've got the American runners and then you've got like shot putters who, um probably need the well they definitely do need a different body composition and um they will be you know differences in strength and size and height and that's that's fine and that's why they're good at what they are but I think I would hope that athletics is trying to steer away from you know being a certain weight everyone being a certain shape for that event and that it's more about okay do the training eat right for fuel your body and then you can perform at your very best I don't think it's totally driven away from that because obviously we've still got eating disorders. We still got um, issues with bread S um, right across the board. And we still, obviously it seems to be, you know, a thing still in some of the colleges in America, as I just said. Um, but I think all we can do is try and focus our um, energies to thinking about nutrition as fuel for the body and um, eating what you need for um, your given sport. And, regardless of what that is your ultimate body shape will will appear <laughs> because you are doing the training and you are fueling it correctly and and you will inevitably get um to that position to perform at your very best and I think that's that's what we can hope for um Georgia you obviously work in different sports as well what what do you feel this do you think this is just an athletics thing or is it right across the board
1: i think um measuring body comp is definitely uh, a relatively hot topic in in the different sports I work in at the moment actually too Um, and I just feel I feel really strongly about it I I think that to some extent there is use in understanding where someone is at in terms of lean muscle mass like are they um, developing more lean muscle mass like that's obviously really useful from a practitioner perspective um but I think this is used widely in the wrong way and I think um unfortunately when as you said so typically most teams that I've been around would use like a seven point um like caliper body fat percentage measure um we know that inaccuracy is surrounding that um and we also like while the research is a little bit sketchy we don't fully know how for example the menstrual cycle or use of hormonal contraception can affect that so a lot of weight can be placed on these measures and that can of course lead to many anxieties and potential further problems further down the line or more problems further down the line um and I always think like we don't actually know what is optimum. Like we don't know. So say in football, we don't know what is the optimal body comp for a goalkeeper versus a midfield player versus a striker versus any player. Um, And in track and field, it's, it's very similar. There isn't an optimum. And I, I really believe it's about what's right for you as an individual. And I think I'd then come back to thinking about the menstrual cycle. as that sign. Like, are you having a regular menstrual cycle? Um, is your cycle length varying a lot like maybe that's a sign that your body isn't quite 100% happy do you sometimes skip a period like that's again not not normal and that's probably a sign that things aren't quite right so i think females are lucky because they have that inner gauge which is aiming to have a regular menstrual cycle but obviously if you're not using um if you are using the pill sorry um so you're not menstruating naturally or you're using another form of hormonal contraception that can mask it I think to your point about the collegiate system Jess I think it is still widely um assumed that people need to be light and lean um I do hope that the narrative is changing in this and you know good people like yourself Jess who are and um, really leading runners in this space that I think can help bust those myths but I think it, it is hard and especially mindful that say in running or swimming people compete in minimal clothing so you know of course you, you do feel exposed so thinking about that is natural um, but I think from a coaching perspective it is really hard and I've seen scenarios where maybe athletes are have maybe gained some body mass and maybe it is that their percentage body fat has increased and actually maybe from a coach's perspective they do need to like lean up which is a horrible expression expression so then how is that managed as well because if as a coach you're trying to get the best from your athlete and your athlete wants it like how do you even have that conversation so I feel like there really are quite a lot of issues around being able to discuss that but I, I think I don't think categorically we can have this race weight that one aspires to because it's, it's so individual regardless. And we also know weight, and it shouldn't just be on weight for sure because weight is very much influenced by muscle mass and even, um, say, water retention at certain times of the cycle. Again, while we know the research isn't like categorically, yes, you will definitely put on weight at different times of your cycle. Some people will, some people won't. So I just think we just need to be so careful with how it's handled
0: it's definitely one of those tricky topics. Um, but I do think, you know, again, it stems back to having the right education for these people who are trying to support their athletes in the best ways possible. Um, and perhaps with that needs to come from the governing bodies as well as like clubs and federations, etc. So, um, yeah some really interesting questions there um, I think that's all we've got time for today we've hopefully covered quite a few thought provoking topics and subjects and obviously if you did want to add further to this um, send us your questions if you can't find um, the submission form just send us a message on Instagram we'll pick it up and we'll add it to the next batch for our next episode um, so thank you very much
2: and I'll see you all guys soon thank you thanks guys